And we are live. I'm toxic, she's masculine, and together we are toxic masculinity. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Good evening. I've got a new um got a new awesome setting here. Check this out. Boom. Both Chris and Valeria at the same time split screen. What do we think of that? I think it's good. <laughs> Looking good. It's a very tepid response, but I'll take it. I'll take it. So anyway, um, interesting week. Uh, we're closing out the week here with some more interesting news. Uh, uh, some really fun stuff coming up. Some stuff that I really am excited to report about. So uh, thanks for joining, guys. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, Valeria, do you have anything personal you want to talk about before we get into the news? You want to show off no? your Smurfette socks? No. She's she's bought these new socks that make her look like a Smurf, and she's been walking around the house. It's warm. It's adorable. It's warm. Not the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just it's just big white socks. But That's adorable, it. certainly. Um, uh, yeah. So so nothing new, nothing nothing too uh, too exciting. Mm -mm. Went out to return a couple of uh, shirts that were a little too big today. Super oh, you didn't have time exciting. to do that. Super yeah, yeah, exciting. yeah. Really exciting stuff. All right, so I guess since, you know, our lives are so unbelievably boring, it's time to get to the first story. What do we got, darling? Okay. First story, Joy Reid. People on right would trade tax cuts for ability to openly say N-word. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I just have a question. Why tax cuts? Of all the things? Yeah. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. Let me get to the... Um, there we go. She just picked something that she feels is like a Republican issue that we... I think that's what she feel like she will give up. Well, but so, okay, so Democrats always want to raise taxes. Republicans always want to cut taxes. That's pretty much consistent all the time. So that's something that's always been important to us. It's always something always will be important to us. So she's basically saying conservatives want to say the N word so badly. Conservatives want to be openly racist so much that they would be willing to give up this, you know, issue that's so important to them that it's pretty much always on the table every single year, tax cuts. They'd be willing to give that up just so that they could be openly racist against black people. That's how racist we are. No intro today. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. No jokes intro. today. Oh, Chris, what is, going, what is going on? What is going on? The people are asking, like, Chris, what, what are you doing? You gotta remember. You gotta remind me, darling. All right. I, I don't remember that people do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ready for the intro? This is toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. I love that. I love that. All right. So, joke of the day. Hold on. Where is it? I got it here somewhere. I had set it up. All right. You ready? You ready for this? All right. Trump used to have a button in the Oval Office to alert aides to bring him Diet Coke. Joe Biden has had this button removed. Hunter then had it replaced with a button for regular Coke. But Well, that's isn't that one of your tweets? Valeria, stop giving away my secrets. <laughs> okay, next time I'll just fake laugh. You you like fool. I heard it for the first yeah, time. Make laugh, make laugh. That's what you need to do. So, so uh, all of these, all of these jokes are all are all on my Twitter page. I, I tweet every political joke I come up with, 
And so, uh, but they're all original jokes. They're either jokes that I've come up with or Valeria's come up with or my friend Kurt. He occasionally comes up with one and, and I post it. Um, I think that's, I don't think that's it. I don't think there's anybody else that contributes to the jokes on my, on my Twitter channel, Twitter, whatever. But they're mostly mine, mostly my jokes. All right, so let's get right back into it, shall we? God, that was, I really messed the, uh, today's broadcast up. As usual, as I always say, guys, least professional show on YouTube. I really should make posters saying the least professional show on YouTube. All right, so she thinks people would trade, people on the right would trade tax cuts for, so this is, she tweeted this. She says, um, I'll say it again, people on the right would trade all the tax cuts for the ability to openly say the N-word, like in the quote-unquote, the good old days, to them not being able to be openly racist and discriminatory without consequence is oppression. Trump is the avatar for this freedom. Okay, so this was in response, this was in response to this news story, right? This news story that was tweeted out um, by this uh, journalist, Barry Weiss. And this woman, she's she's uh, she's written here. Self censorship is the norm. So the story, so the story is about how conservatives tend to be silenced by leftists in various industries, at work, various regions of the country. You can't express conservative ideas without being ostracized, or maybe even losing your job. And it's not just true of conservatives; it's even true of some leftists who have ideas that maybe counter the the mainstream left-wing narrative, you know, which is now crazy radical left. Um, so the, it's called the silence majority subheading in red America and blue America, an epidemic of self-censorship is threatening democracy. And this is a quote, quote pulled out of the article. Self-censorship is the norm, not the exception. A student at one country's uh, top law schools wrote, uh, I self-censor even when talking to some of my best friends for fear of word getting around. Um, Thanks to Desert News for the invitation. I guess somebody invited her to somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, um, for fear of word getting around. So basically they're saying, I can't, I can't say what I think as a conservative, or I can't say what I think even as a leftist, some people, without people that are radically left, um, radicalized, trying to cancel them or trying to ostracize them or trying to hurt them in some way. Opinions are being... People are afraid to express their opinions in America. Now, we've known this for a long time. We lived in Hollywood for a long time. We, you know, definitely that has been occurred. That you know that has been occurring here for I don't know decades. Um, ever since I've lived here, you know, it's been you know, if you try to express a conservative idea in any way whatsoever, you're in trouble. Um, but then Joy Reid interprets this as not that we want to express conservative political ideas, but rather that we all want to be racists. <laughs> and let me just, let me just say this, okay? I am sick of talking about racist crap on this show. I'm sick of talking about racist crap on, on my, on my show, Mr. Reagan. I'm ta I'm sick, I'm, oh, hello, what happened to your camera? Your camera no died. idea. Can you fix it? Um, I'm sick of talking about racist stuff. All the time, all the time. All you get is racist this, racist that. Republicans are racist. This is racist. That's racist. I mean, it's it's exhausting. It's exhausting, you guys. I'm sick of it. I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. All right. We need to put this to bed. Look, 
Republicans are not by their nature racist. They are not racist in, you know, even in the sense that like, you know, a majority of conservatives are racist, something like that. That's not true either. All right. White people are not intrinsically racist. All right. White. Okay. Racism from white people toward other races. Racism from white people toward black people. This stuff just doesn't exist really in America anymore. Sure, there are some racists. Uh, does it impact most black people? No, it does not. Um, is it systemic? No, it is not. I'm just, I'm done with it. The, the, the stupid accusations are ridiculous. When I was a kid, I posted this the other day. When I was a kid, we didn't even really recognize racism anymore as a thing. It was like an archaic thing of the past. Right, you could see it in movies depicting racism and stuff like that, but you wouldn't really see it in real life. Nobody, nobody cared. Everybody judged you by your character, whether you were black, white, female, male, you know, whatever. It didn't really matter what you were. It just mattered who you were. Right? It mattered, you know, what you did as a person. Were you an ethical person? Were you an unethical person? Were you an enjoyable person to be around? Were you a, a detestable person? You know, that's what people cared about. It didn't matter if you were black or white. Nobody cared about that. And that was, I grew up in Oregon, so maybe that was something that I just experienced in my unique little bubble, but I don't think so. I think in the 80s, we had more or less overcome the racist problem in America. The, the racism problem <laughs> was more or less over. Not being racist is racist. Yeah. Jose. I think, I think that we've gotten to that point now because they've gotten to a point now where they're like, Oh, hello. Valeria is completely oh out of focus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's something unappropriate going on there. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and the left has basically recognized, I think. Oh, the, the front. Or you could, put her, you could put her on autofocus if you want. Anyway, we, you know, the left recognized, I think, that we were in a, in a, in a place where things were no longer really... Perfect. Uh, where, where things were no longer really really racist. Things had gotten much better. Things had gotten to a point where things were more or less equal. You had equal opportunity and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, th there were a lot of people like, um, you know, Al Sharpton, people like that, who they basically made their living. They basically made their fortunes, made their fame on race baiting, on saying white people were racist. And if you could no longer say white people were racist anymore, you had to invent new kinds of racism to point to, right? So it was no longer good enough for somebody to say the N-word or to be actually like take some kind of racist action against somebody. Just by being white, you were instantly racist. Calling somebody racist became the new form of being racist, right? Being racist against white people was a way of pointing to them and saying, you know, you're racist and, and, and we hate you all. And I'm just so sick of it. I'm sick of the whole racist thing. We've got to stop with this whole flipping racist thing. We're not racist. Okay. We're not a racist country. Maybe black people are more, you know, still have a problem with it. Okay. Go into the black communities, tell them to stop oh, being no. racist. Like we did with the white people in the sixties, seventies, eighties. Did it shut off again? I think, I think we're just going to have to do it without the camera, sweetie. You, you, you screwed it up earlier today. <laughs> yeah. She turned it on without the battery. Uh, without the without it plugged in, the okay. battery died, and now it won't. I wonder yeah. when those leftists gonna run out of ideas. What is racist and what is not? Uh, I know, I know, I know. Well, they they I don't think they'll ever run out of ideas because there will always be some kind of a way that they're gonna be able to twist reality and complain and say, oh, you know, the the world is racist because X, Y, or Z. You know, as long as as long as you know. 
black people aren't running things. Yeah, that's what I was wondering yesterday. I told to my friend, I wonder when is being beautiful considered racist? You know, and the Joe says, Valeria is so cute, she's racist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that no matter what your problem is in life, no matter what your problem is in life, if you're, if you're black or Latino or something like that, you can very easily, and you can convince a lot of people of this, you can very easily point to white people and say, oh, this is because their society did X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, you can you can convince people that, darling, what are you doing? It's not going to work because the battery's dead. So even if it's plugged in, it's not it's not going to work. Sorry, it's not my fault. I don't know why you didn't plug it in earlier. She's like looking at me it's like she's all upset. Nothing I can do. You want to sit here? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I gave you the option. All right. Uh, uh, anyway, I, anyway, the point is, I'm I'm freaking sick of it. You know, I I don't understand why people like this actually are able to work at MSNBC, right? It's a company that's owned by NBC. It used to be one of the most respected media companies on the planet. This racist woman works at NBC. Like, if if this was a white person that said the kind of stuff that she says, they they would be fired instantly anywhere. But she says all kinds of racist stuff all the time, and it doesn't matter because she's Joy Reid. She's a strong black woman. Give me a break. NBC, you need to figure out that black people are racist, okay? They can be racist. And this woman is one of them. And she's, she's exacerbating the political divide in America. She's exacerbating racial tensions in America. She's doing everything that we don't want to happen. She's making happen in this country. It's not Trump, right? It's not Trump supporters. It's not Republicans. It's not conservatives. It's people like her. She needs to go. Fire her. Nobody should. Nobody like her should have a job. Okay, people like her that go around saying white people are evil, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just like there shouldn't be, like, you know, we shouldn't be hiring white people going on talking about how horrible and stupid black people are, right? That would be terrible. In the same way, Joy Reid should not be allowed to be on television talking about how awful and stupid white people are. She's a horrible racist, and she should be fired. I was going to read through this. It's a little bit long, but I think we should probably move on to the next story. Sorry, I, I got a little bit too pissed off. <laughs> but anyway, this whole story is basically just about how normal people... I'll read a little bit of it. Um, there are feminists who believe that biological differences between men and women... Uh, you know, there are journalists who believe that their job is to actually tell the truth to the world, uh, even when it's inconvenient. Doctors whose only creed is science, lawyers who will not compromise on the principle of equal treatment under the law, professors who seek the freedom to write and research without being, without fear of being smeared. In short, there are centrists, libertarians, liberals, and progressives who do not ascribe to every single aspect of the new far-left ideology, or sorry, orthodoxy. And they're talking... You know, this woman's talking about how she had to resign from the New York Times over the hostility to free speech, the hostility to open inquiry. Um, and she's, she says that she hears almost daily from people who feel that they've been silenced because of this totalitarian leftism. And she's, she's this, this article is just great. You guys should probably read this article if you have, have time to do so. Um, Barry, uh, Barry Weiss, just look her up. But anyway, so this guy commented on the Barry Weiss thing. Um, talked about how white people want to be racist, uh, and then, uh, you know, this this woman 
Joy Reid comes in and basically says everybody, every white person wants to say the N-word and we're all willing to give up our firstborn child for that. Right, that was Valeria's joke earlier. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, we would not give up our firstborn child to say the N-word. No white people even care about saying the N-word. You're crazy, Joy Reid. You're a crazy racist. You're completely out of touch with reality. You know nothing about conservatives. Get off the damn air. Next story. <laughs> Unless you want to say something, darling. No, I don't. Okay. Moving on. 90% of COVID deaths occur in countries with high obesity levels. Oh, yeah, this is an interesting story. So, um, let's see here. 90% of COVID deaths occur in countries with high obesity levels. Now, this isn't a hugely surprising story because we all knew that obesity was like a huge factor in uh in people who were dying with covid it was like old people were the number one category and then obese people were the number two category and uh and so they, they've just done a study they found 90 percent of uh, uh coronavirus fatalities have occurred in countries with high obesity levels according to research um and they now want overweight people to be prioritized for vaccinations um and i think it's probably right i mean i i don't really care that much about this stuff because it's all sort of like logistical you know who do we prioritize kind of stuff which i think is i think should be done just in the most rational way possible yeah i think old people probably first then you know fat people whatever um death rates were 10 times as high in countries such as the u.s where at least 50 percent of the total population are overweight according to world health organization backed uh, study released thursday this is a wake-up call to governments globally Blah, 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 blah. See, I don't like this. I, I don't like that they're talking about this in the sense that there's a responsibility of governments, blah, 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 blah. This is what I think. I think that this is, this is, this should be a wake up call to fat people, really. Because, uh, you know, me doing this job, I can tell you, I've gotten pretty fat. <laughs> okay. I've gotten actually quite fat. And, uh, you know, it's just a very sedentary job. You know, I research, I write, I shoot videos, I edit videos. It's almost all sitting at this desk. And it's terrible for your health. I've noticed that there's lots of different health problems. You know, I'm snoring, uh, which, you know, really badly now, which is terrible. Uh, you know, it's it's sometimes difficult to tie your shoes. My God, it's, it's terrible. You can't move around, really. I mean, it's being fat is has so many problems around it. And I know that Many people obviously have a genetic predisposition. They're going to necessarily be fat. I think my gra my grandma was very fat, so I, I don't know how much that is genetic with me. I think with me, I'm just I've just been too lazy sitting around too much and, and eating bad food. But I'm trying to eat a lot better now. I'm riding on uh, you know my stationary bike every every day, um, you know for for at least a little bit. And uh, we've got a gym membership which we haven't used yet. <laughs> we've had for about a week. So we're going to start doing that as soon as uh, as soon as I get a little bit of time here. And uh, yeah, so I'm trying to change my habits. I'm trying to change my behavior. Uh, lower fat, lean meats, and and vegetables. You know, I'm trying to do that. But uh, it's tough. You know, it's it's tough to uh, tough to stay on a diet. Tough to exercise. But you got to do it. And I, I think stuff like this COVID virus. See, the COVID virus is is good as a wake up call to people who are out of shape, and you know have bad eating habits. Because, like, let's say that you're one of these people who, you know, you're, you you have some kind of crippling ailment that doesn't let you move that much. You can still change your diet. You can still change your diet. Um, and it may be hard at first. It may be depressing. But you should do it. And, oh, hello, people of Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, it, and, and the thing is about COVID, COVID is not the only virus, the not the only disease that affects people who are obese. Obese people 
are affected by almost every uh, uh, ailment that you can catch, almost everything that you can potentially, you know, health problem that you could potentially have is either exacerbated or more easily um, developed if you are, if you're fat, if you're obese. So the COVID thing, I think, should scare people, but not because you're necessarily going to get COVID, but because literally any kind of health problem is going to be exacerbated um, or easily, de- more easily developed w- when you're out of shape, when you have a bad, a bad diet. And so, you know, we live in a, in a, in a society now where we have so much access to information, right? We can watch all kinds of YouTube videos and figure out what the best foods are to eat and figure out what the best exercises to do are. And, you know, we got a lot more free time. If, if we're the kind of person who wants more free time, we can have it. We live in a society where that's possible now for a lot of people, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, you know, we have, uh, we have a better quality of life than ever, ever before in history. So there's lots of different options. There's lots of ways for people to get healthy. And I think that's the number one. I think to me, that's the number one striking thing about this study is like, gosh, you know, they're actually better off. I, one, of the, one of the best countries, one of the countries with the least number of COVID deaths, what was it? Something like Vietnam or something like that. Like a place where, oh, here it is. For example, Vietnam has the lowest coronavirus deaths in the world and the second lowest level of overweight people. Um, so places in which they actually, you know, have sometimes probably trouble getting food. They're all very, very skinny. Um, yeah, life might be harder for them, but they're not catching diseases. So, you know, silver lining to that to that lifestyle, I guess. But uh, but we we are we live in such luxury here, you know, in America and in Europe that. Um, that I think it's very easy. It's very easy to get comfortable and get a little overweight and have a poor diet. Well, in America, they are advertising body positive, body positivity. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's like such a recently, good point. I went to Nike store. I didn't buy anything. I don't like Nike, but my friend went there. Yeah. Uh, there was a fat mannequin. <laughs> it was too skinny and one like huge. A fat mannequin now. They're yeah. doing fat mannequins now. So they pro they advertising if you're fat it's fine. I understand if you can't lose weight because of your health problems, but how many people have health problems and this is why they are fat? Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's like ten percent, five percent. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, look, <clears throat> I have a buddy and he's got a lot of health problems. And he's real big. He's like 400 pounds, 4, 450, something like that. And he's a big dude. I mean, he's very tall, but he's very, very heavy. And, you know, he tries, though, man. He, he tries to fix his diet. He tries to run. And he fluctuates. You know, he gets a bit big, and then he gets fit again, and then he gets bigger again. And every time he gets big, you know, every time he gets, well, bigger. I mean, he's always big. Even when he's skinny, he's big. But um, whenever, he gets, whenever he gets heftier and gains more weight, Man, life is hard for him. It's it's hard for him to walk even sometimes. But then he gets down and he gets fit again and I see him and he feels great. He's got all this energy and he feels like a million bucks. And then, you know, life gets hard. He's got to work too much and he gets fatter again and and it's tough for him. And, you know, that's the way it is for a lot of Americans. But just a matter of priorities. Um, You know, it's the same with me. You know, I, I, I... I have a lot of contracts with different companies to sell a certain amount of stuff every month so that I have to make a certain number of videos and I'm way behind. I'm like two months behind right now because, um, well, a lot, a lot of it was, we went, we went on a couple of trips and stuff like that. And so I work like, I don't know, 15 hours a day, every single day. 
I, I would I would defer to Valeria, but you can't see her. How often do I work? Do you think? How often you work every day? Yeah, but I mean, like, how many hours a day? Like, I wake up in the morning. I don't know. I wake up. You are working. I go to bed. You are working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much just working twenty four seven. I mean, if I can get a little bit of sleep here and there, I do. Um, I occasionally will take a shower, <laughs> <laughs> but besides showering and 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 sleeping and a little bit of eating, uh, yeah, it's pretty much just work twenty four seven, and that's the. You <laughs> try to get the Valeria's trying to get the camera on now. Anyway, guys. Get healthy. Get motivated. There's so many cool YouTube channels out there that are amazing channels that are so much fun. Um, I wish I could remember the names of them right now. I, I watch a bunch of them to try to get inspiration for myself to work out. But just start looking up keto diet and stuff like that, and you'll find some stuff. Well, but... for different people, different um, there is different ways to to lose weight. Exactly. If, yeah. if keto you works find for you, what works for you, if keto yeah. works for you, it might not work for that's somebody. That's right. That's right. I don't think I even have a right to to talk about that because I'm a genetic morbidly obese. Kini. Yeah, yeah. She's just a a lazy, fat slob, disgusting. I'm Can't like, believe I married that woman. I'm like 90, 94 pounds, and yeah, she's sort of genetically just won the friggin' lottery. Well, All, like Russian well women it's, it's kind of tricky because on my dad's side, my grandma was super skinny her mm -hmm. whole life. Yeah. On my mom's side, my mom and my grandma, they they yeah. kind of like getting overweight but you got and lucky. Stuff. I don't know because everybody's saying, oh, you're just skinny because you are young. After 30 or after <laughs> first child, you will get fat. Oh, I and... certainly hope not. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what we're basically saying is she's a genetic freak and you have every right to hate her uh, just for being skinny naturally because she does not work out at all and she eats like crap, which is actually how I got fat in the first place, eating Eggo waffles with her in the morning. So shall we move on to the next story? Yep. CDC changes COVID-19 guidelines to let Biden admin house migrant kids at 100% capacity. Didn't we skip that story? No. What number is that? Now it's number three, but it changed. One, two, three. We skipped that story. I cut that one. No, not that one. Not this one. Number three oh, was... okay. Yeah, no, no, I have it. I have it. Sorry. Did you miss the one about... Uh... It was number three, you the cut George that. The George Floyd protests? You said number three, we're cutting, and I cut it. It was number three. Oh, that was number three. Okay, sorry, guys. Again. Can you as, apologize as to say, me? Can you apologize to me? The least professional show on television. I did everything you told me to. All right. CDC changes its COVID-19 guidelines to let Biden administration house migrant kids at 100% capacity. Now, they're talking about this as if this is some kind of double standard, right? Uh, the Biden administration is willing to open up more beds for migrant children, but they're not willing to open up the schools. Um, I'm not sure that's the best angle, but let's go ahead and read a little bit of this. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control has changed its guidelines to allow the Biden administration to house migrant children that cross the U.S. border illegally in shelters at 100% capacity. According to a report previously, the CDC required that temporary housing shelters used by the federal government to house unaccompanied minors be filled to only 50% capacity as a COVID-19 safety protocol. This is an excellently written article because I can read it super fast. <laughs> uh, let's see here. But Axios reported Friday that the CDC lifted its requirements as the Biden administration faces a, a crisis on the southern border. And that is the point. Right. That is the point. The point is that this is a crisis, right? That, that, that what Biden has done has 
has pr provided the opportunity for so many people to come into the country that now we have this problem where they actually have to basically violate COVID rules to, to house these kids. Now, I think COVID rules are pretty much stupid anyway. But they these guys seem to believe that they work, and yet they're like, oh, we can just kind of like dismiss those rules in this particular case because they just have so many people that they cannot follow the COVID rules. And, you know, it's just another instance of, of the... Um, of the Biden administration's foolishness with regard to their to their uh, border policies, right? To their immigration policies. And here's what I'm thinking about this. Um, basically, this is this is another sign that Biden and his administration have everything backwards and upside down, right? You you do not want to encourage migrants to come up here, especially during a pandemic. You want to discourage them from coming up by building a wall by saying that you will be deported, you know, by not treating them like coddling them and, and treating them all nice, by saying, no, you will be treated harshly because you are illegally entering the country, right? Because we want to discourage people. We want, to, we want people afraid to enter the country. We want, people, we want people afraid to illegally cross the border so that they do it legally or they don't do it at all. And that, because think about it like this, guys. This is something that, that nobody ever talks about. But let's say we have 10,000 people crossing the border every single day illegally, right? You have people trying to smuggle drugs across the border. If there's 10,000 other people crossing the border, how likely is it that the, that the border enforcement folks are going to be able to catch those drug smugglers? Not, not very likely. But if you were able to diminish the number of people crossing the border illegally to like two or three a day, then how likely is it that the border patrol is going to be able to catch those drug smugglers? Very likely. So what mass immigration does, what mass illegal immigration does, is it provides a sort of um, camouflage for drug mules. It provides a cam camouflage for people who are doing human trafficking, uh, uh, you know, criminals who are trying to escape Mexico, maybe the jurisdiction down there, maybe they're after them to come up here to try to escape the law, something like that. Um, any kind of nasty, nefarious fellow who wants to come across, if there are 10,000 people crossing every day, he can sneak across with that, that 10,000, you know, mixed in with them very easily. Sort of like counterfeiting money, right? You counterfeit a bunch of money and you want it to blend in with the other money. So you get a bunch of other money and you blend it all together and then it looks like it's just part of a bunch of money. And you can't tell the, you know, the counterfeit from the real. Um, so blending people, there's a way of camouflaging criminals to get across the border. Nobody ever talks about that. But, the, but when you have all this immigration coming over, it's much easier for the criminals to, to operate. If you stop illegal immigration, wow, that was my ring made a really loud noise there. <laughs> if you stop illegal immigration, that it makes it much more difficult for the criminals to operate. And also, there's a lot of criminals that operate just bringing people over. And, it, and it's pretty messed up how they do it, too. They take a bunch of money from very poor people to help move them across the border. There was a car accident the other day where a bunch of them were killed, uh, which is pretty sad. And uh, some sometimes, in payment, they'll, like, rape girls and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a pretty disturbing practice. The whole thing is really messed up, really disturbing. You need to end this practice of illegal immigration. You need to discourage it. But the Biden administration encourages it. At the same time, realizing, oh, it's okay to open it up 
you know, forget the COVID rules for the migrants, but we still need to have the strictest COVID rules in the world for schools. So that's what they're comparing it to. And we know that's backwards because every single agency that is giving any kind of guidance on this says you can open up schools. We've seen schools open up all over the world. It's been perfectly fine. But because of these teachers unions, they want to go to Malibu and they don't want to actually, you know, sip on their little whatever, you know, go off to some island vacation and just not actually do any work because they want to stay on vacation forever. They, you know, honestly, I think a lot of these stupid teacher unions, they had their way. They'd never go back to in-school teaching because it's so much nicer for them to just like stay in their pajamas in their bedroom, you know, uh, you know, drinking their whatever cosmopolitan cosmopolitan you know getting getting drunk teaching the kids you know on on zoom but anyway and just another story that pissed me off all right darling do you have anything to say on this i didn't think that you would (laughs) but you may have something to say about the next story so let's hear it scientific american Republican calls on Cuomo to resign for ignoring the science. Is that the next story? Are you sure? That's the next story. She and I have different ideas about what the next story is supposed to be, but I'll but I'll go with it. There's nothing about Texas schools. You tell me to remove that one. No, I did not tell you to remove that one. You said remove three and... Um, that one was five. You said me to remove three and five. Four. That was the four just now. Okay, well, that's did you wrong. see your list? That's wrong, that's wrong. Okay, well let's let's do uh, let's do the Cuomo one, shall we? And then, but we got to do the Texas school one, so you got to do that next. Okay. Okay. All right, all right. So this one here is a Scientific American op-ed calls on Cuomo to resign for ignoring the science on COVID nineteen. Now, there's a couple things here. So the guy that wrote this op-ed, he's not a scientist. He's a uh, he's a reporter. He's a journalist. Um, and he's pissed off because he has a family member that that died because of what Cuomo did, because of you know Cuomo, Cuomo's like nursing home thing. But here's the thing: I, I like Scientific American magazine, but it's very left wing, right? All these science magazines are National Geographic, all these science magazines, and it's really upsetting to me because when I was a little boy, I loved science, right? I had my little dinosaurs, uh, you know, I loved all that stuff, and in fact. Um, you know, I aced basically all my science classes, uh, physics, uh, chemistry, um, everything. Every science class I would ace very easily. I was very good at science, and I loved science. Um, I loved the idea of potentially being an astronaut, all that kind of stuff. And I might got, I might have gone into the sciences. In fact, my first um, major in, in school, in college, was, was physics, and I, I switched out of it. But, um, but I love that stuff. I love physics. I love that kind of stuff. But the thing is, the scientific community is very much an atheist stronghold. A lot of atheists, and and I don't mean atheists like people who are sort of passively atheists. There are obviously a lot of passive atheists. Uh, Like I have a good friend who's a a prominent scientist. He's he's an atheist. He's not like an aggressive atheist. But I'm talking about these guys who are like evangelical atheists, right? They're very sort of like embittered about Christianity. They hate Christians. They think of Christians as stupid, you know, believing in sort of like the mythology of their ancestors. And, uh, you know, they look down on people who believe in God and who have that kind of traditional morality. Um, And so they tend to vote for Democrats and they tend to be very hostile against traditional values, Christians, conservative Republicans. 
Uh, and so the scientific community has become um, a very polarized place, a, very, a, a, a place that's very hostile to conservatism. And so that's actually the only reason I, I did not pursue science as a, as a field of study. Um, I would have done so as a, as a young man. And the thing is, like, is the world a better place? Uh, you know, would the world have been a better place had I become a scientist? Who knows? Maybe. But forget about me. I'm just an example of, like, how many young young men wanted to go into the science, science field, some kind of science field, and felt in the same way I did, like, well, I can't go into it because the people in this field... They reject people like me. They they don't. Uh, they don't you're accept too people handsome. like me. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Uh, yeah, I mean, scientists they they ha they are they can be very cruel and very exclusive. And if they don't fit the mold of what they of what you know they like, if you don't fit the mold of what they like, then you become excluded. You become somebody. And I didn't want to be in that kind of a business, right? So what did I do? I went to Hollywood. <laughs> a thousand times worse. But I fool when I was a kid, I actually foolishly thought, you know, when I say kid, I mean 17, 18, 19, whatever. I foolishly thought that if you're a writer, it didn't really matter what your politics were. It just mattered how good of a writer you were. I, I, little did I know writing is like the hardest thing to break into in Hollywood unless you know somebody, unless your dad's a major director or something like that. But uh, let's see. Let's read some of this stuff here. Uh, okay, so it's... So this guy has said, there is only one ethical option. Andrew Cuomo should resign as governor of New York and make room for someone with a command of and respect for the scientific knowledge necessary to lead the nation's fourth largest state, Thrasher wrote. Thrasher is, of course, the journalist who wrote this op-ed. He's written, if he will not go voluntarily, he needs to be pressured into leaving. He said, researchers found that if Cuomo had granted New York City... Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio's request for a lockdown earlier in the pandemic, as many as 17,000 fewer Big Apple residents would have died from the, from the virus. And I, mean, I don't know about that because I don't, I don't think the lockdowns worked. In fact, didn't I, work. I don't think they worked at all. So I think this guy's actually wrong. Um, however, you know, because that wasn't really what Cuomo did wrong. You know, it was, there was a lot of other stuff. Um, that was just one of many decisions that Cuomo made before the pandemic and in its uh, first few months that resulted in the needs of death of New Yorkers that he was sworn to protect. Now, I'd agree with that. I do think that there were a lot of other mistakes that were made. Oh, sorry, guys. I forgot to switch back to this. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, New York State, he noted, has reduced its hospital capacity by roughly 20,000 beds over the past 20 years. Cuomo has been governor for half that time, Thrasher noted. A big reason why there was such a shortage of beds uh, when he was on TV every day, wringing his hands about not having enough ventilators, was because he oversaw the dissemination of the state's hospitals and stripped the system um, so close to the bone it predictably couldn't handle a pandemic. Yeah, but, but, so, I mean, I disagree with this guy a little bit, right? The, the truth is that, that Trump actually sent uh, a bunch of beds. Uh, you know, he set things up so that Cuomo could have enough beds, hospital beds, for uh, coronavirus patients. But for whatever reason, Cuomo sent them into the nursing homes anyway. I still don't really understand. Because they don't want to take any help from Trump administration. I don't think that was it. I, they're, I don't, they're so selfish. I'm not sure why he did it. Because he, he did it. He did eventually say, like, oh, this is really great. Trump really helped us out here. And then he did what? 20 bucks. Oh, you want to read something? Yeah. All right. Read something to us. Uh, I think you better to read because I don't know how to pronounce. All right. Let me, let me check it Name. Out. Uh, hold on. I can't. I got to switch over to the thing. Okay, there we go. 
Alright, this is from D. Grism. I don't know how to pronounce your name, but I think it's Grism. I think so. Let's see here. Took me a minute to find this channel. Wonder why. Love your work, Mr. Reagan. Your co-host is an absolute delight. Thank you, D. Grism. I agree with you. Um, although she doesn't like me that much. She <laughs> you, she beat me earlier today. I did. That's true. Yes. But it's okay. I survived. <laughs> I survived. We're... We're working through our marital problems, which is, which is basically, well, no, we don't really have any, we don't have any problems. We're good. You know, it's, it's, it's quite nice. I think actually we, it is, we, I was trying to come up with a joke, but it didn't really work. All right. Um, I, I look the point of this article, the reason that we're talking about it, uh, the scientific American article is that. Even the left, even the left is basically saying, you know, enough is enough, Cuomo, you're terrible. And the thing is, like, people are saying, oh, he's not going to get into any trouble for the COVID thing because the left, you know, the left wants to support him there and blame Trump for everything. And so they're avoiding that. And they just want to talk about this, you know, this thing about the, the sexual harassment scandal and stuff like that. But I think this is proof that that's not actually true. There are leftists who definitely do think that he screwed up with the COVID thing. I think a lot of these leftists realize he screwed up with the COVID thing. They don't know how to deal with it because they, they want to still blame Trump. They don't want to blame uh, Cuomo for that, especially after praising him for like a whole year. And so they're they're kind of shifting their attention to the sexual harassment thing in order to condemn uh, condemn him about something else so they don't have to admit that they were wrong earlier about praising him about COVID. But... I don't know, like, you know, a lot of people, I posted earlier today that, like, Cuomo's effed, Cuomo's effed, because they actually have found now that they that his aides actually doctored documents to make it look like there were fewer deaths than there were. And a lot of people made a good point on Twitter, which was that, well, actually, um, because the left wants to protect him so much, nothing will ever happen to Cuomo. But what I meant was... When I said he's effed, what I really meant was politically. I didn't mean like he was going to prison or anything. But I think a lot of conservatives want to see him go to prison. I don't think that's happening. Um, but here's here's the real thing that I think is quite a shame about this whole story is that not only is nothing going to happen to Cuomo in terms of the judicial system, he's never going to be arrested, he's never going to go to prison, nothing like that. The worst part, is that yes, Cuomo's career is over in politics, but you know Cuomo's career is just beginning in media. So yes, Cuomo will probably never Co work in Cuomo politics. Cuomo is again. a new Trump. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, Andrew Cuomo. I give it about a 99% chance that within the next year he's going to get a TV show on CNN. He'll have some kind of talk show. The, you know, I thought they're gonna hate him. The Andrew Cuomo hour. Why would they hate him? Because he messed up. There are tons of people at CNN that messed up. Basically, everybody that left the government, like uh, you know, the ex chief of the the CIA, uh, Brennan, he works for CNN now. Uh, I think I think uh, Strzok works for CNN. Um, they, they all work for CNN now, right? CNN basically hires any disgraced leftist that is at all in the public consciousness. They, they bring him and they hire him. They hire them. Um, the FBI director, what's his name? 
He got hired by CNN. They all get hired by CNN. So Cuomo will definitely get hired by CNN. Um, who knows what his job will be, but they're going to hire him. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. All right, shall we move on to the next story? Okay. You said the story about Texas? Yes, please. Texas school under fire for Chivalry Day. Chivalry Day. Chivalry Day that had girls obey boys. Obeying girls have to obey boys. I love this. I love this. I love this so much. And I'll tell you why. Well, let, let me read some of this first. Okay. Texas school under fire for Chivalry Day that had girls obeying boys. I love that. A Texas school is under fire after organized rules of Chivalry Day. Let's see here. Yeah, you guys can read along. Um, and encouraged female students to obey any reasonable demands made, made, made of them by male classmates. According to a copy of the assignment uh, rules posted by a Dallas Morning uh, newspaper, newspaper reporter, the unorthodox lesson was meant to mimic medieval notions of chivalry to demonstrate how courtly love carries over into the modern day. Female students were encouraged to address all men with a, a lowered head and curtsy and encouraged not to whine or complain for the duration of the assignment. In order to win points during the exercise at uh, Shallow Water High School in Lubbock, female students were told not to show intellectual superiority if it would offend the men around them, according to the tweet. Male students were also reported reportedly given uh, advisories, uh, including referring to girls as milady and showing courtly, courtly courtesy as they assist ladies who may have dropped an article by picking it up for them, according to a, a subsequent tweet. Boys were also told not to use vulgarity or complain um, and to rise when females entered or exited a room. Twitter reactions varied, with some speculating that the assignment was supposed to demonstrate regressive gender roles for the period, but most respondents found the material unacceptable no matter the intent. The school eventually canceled the concept outright. This assignment has been reviewed, and despite its historical context, it does not reflect our district and community values, wrote Anita Herbert, superintendent of local district. According to Fox News, the matter has been addressed with the teacher, and the assignment was removed. That is so tragic. That is so tragic. Um, so here's my take on this. I, I love this assignment. I love it when teachers will create assignments that sort of like recreate history, right? Like if you, if you, if you take an art class, they don't just, like let's say you do graphic design, right? A good teacher isn't just going to put you on Photoshop and say, okay, we're going to do this or put you on InDesign and say, this is how we're going to lay out a magazine. A really good instructor will give you a bunch of paper and some, like a Sharpie, and be like, okay, you know, you're going to cut this out and glue it onto this paper, right? And the reason is because that's how they did it in the old days. And so you got to understand the evolution of, of this process and how it happened, right? When I went to school for filmmaking, they actually had us cut film on, like physically cut film on one of these old machines. I forgot what they're called, but there were these old editing machines. And you would cut film, physically cut it, and then tape it together. That's how editing worked in the old days. You would actually take physical film, cut it, and then spl splice it together. And we had to do that at my school. We had to film movies, develop the film, and then cut it. Uh, they call them flatbeds, I think they called them. And, um, but what's the point to do that if now completely different technology, everything is easier, faster? Why would you want students to do that? Do, do you really respect how easy and fast it is, though, if you don't know how hard it used to be? But isn't it wasting time? No. No, because 
It's sort of like maybe this is why TV and movies right now are crap. <laughs> because they didn't learn them. how to do it well. They, they do it properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it just gives you a kind of a look. Look, everything that that is digital now is based on something that existed in the real world before. So you look at the layout of how something is 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 you know designed. You got to understand how it got there. You know, why are you doing doing it like that? Like, why is this like if you do photography? You don't just immediately want to go into Lightroom, uh, the program Lightroom. You want to go into a real Lightroom. You want to really develop film. You want to know, and then that'll teach you what the things in Lightroom are supposed to mimic, right? Because there is something about organic material, natural materials that 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 uh, gives gives it a kind of authenticity and, and helps you to understand what something is supposed to look like or what we're trying to duplicate in in, in the digital world, and. Um, and I think the same thing goes for society. Like, you, you should try to understand why we have the morals that we do today, why we have the ethics that we do today, why we have the ideas that we do today by going back and revisiting what has come before. And the concept of being a conservative, like the left will say, oh, conservatives like the good old days when people were racist. No, you morons. That's not what conservative is about. What conservative is, is about is conserv conserving the things that are good, right? preserving the things that are good. That doesn't exclude... <laughs> that doesn't exclude progressing toward things that are better, but you don't want to throw out everything in the past because some of the things in the past weren't optimal, right? If there's, an, if there's a more optimal solution to something or a more optimal way of life now in some aspects, you don't want to say, well, everything historically is bad, right? Traditional values are still good. You don't throw them out because you know, a couple hundred years ago, we had a racism problem. That doesn't make any sense. It's, it's just crazy, right? You don't say, you don't say, oh, you know, this guy's great, 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 great grandfather once robbed a store. Therefore, you know, he needs to go to prison. It doesn't make any sense, right? You, you, you don't try to take things from history and say some bad stuff happened. So everything in history is bad. You, you want to look at it. And also, I will say this, the whole concept of chivalry and courtly love and all that kind of stuff and the way people were traditionally in, in, in the past, maybe it's not something that's compatible with how we do things today 100%. But one, you don't really understand why they're not compatible unless you practice them and try them and work them out. Experimentation is, is practical experimentation is a beautiful way of getting a sense of something that you can't understand any other way. And so having these kids go ahead and act this out and, and practice these these values really will get them to appreciate and understand why we do things the way we do today. And also, another thing, it may actually reveal to them ideas that have been lost that maybe they should pick up again, right? Being respectful to other people, just as a rule, is something that we just don't really do that much anymore. And I think that that's terrible. And I think that's something that we should do uh, again, I think that's a, a sort of lost value of our society, a lost, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just a lost way of life, even. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I could I could go on about this forever. But the point is, is that this was a really good exercise. This is a really good idea, and the power of Twitter and these horrible people. Like, it's funny. I read a tweet the other day that said, like, um, cancel culture isn't really a thing. 
what it is, it's just uh, it's just a, a bunch of people who recognize that this is good and this is bad. And so the, the people who realize that this, they make their voices heard and then people change their behavior because that it's they're like it's like the free market. It's like your it's like your precious free market working. But it isn't actually. Because it, it's it's like there's something that's popular at the store, and a very small group of angry people go to the store. And they burn the store down because they don't want anybody buying that thing. That's what cancel culture is, right? So it's a very small group of people who take offense to things. And then they go and they scream and they yell and they, they hack websites and they do all this kind of destruction. And, 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 and they, they threaten to, you know, whatever. They, they make all kinds of demands of companies and all this kind of stuff. And then companies often be bend the knee to them. Or, you know, like Gina Carano getting fired, stuff like that. It's, it's not the market. It's not if it were most people just not buying a product. So the market is mostly um, is mostly distinguished by active and passive behavior, right? So like, if I think that a company shares my values and I like their product and I, I like everything about them, I'm gonna go buy their stuff. But if I think a company does not share my values and I don't like their products and stuff like that, then I'm not gonna buy their stuff, right? The active behavior is buying. The passive behavior is not buying. And so the way the market should work is that if a ton of people are buying the product, that company does well. If a ton of people are ignoring the company because they don't like them, the company does poorly. But that's not how it works anymore. Now, with cancel culture, people are actively attacking the company. So it's not the free market working as it should. This is a very different thing. And, um, wow, I really kind of got off on a tangent there. But <laughs> don't you nod smugly to me, woman. We may have to do that courtly uh, chivalric exercise from that classroom, um, but yeah, look, look, it's 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 important to to recognize the values of the past and to look you know to experiment with that stuff. And I think that students are at a perfect age to learn about that stuff and this idea that we're not allowed to do these things. Oh, yeah, that's why I brought up the cancel culture thing because this was canceled because of Twitter, basically. Twitter, this went, became popular on Twitter and everybody heard about it and it got canceled. And it's just so sad because this is such a good thing. And this teacher who did that, I don't know who you are, but you are awesome. Somebody get word to this teacher in Lubbock, Texas that Mr. Reagan likes them. <laughs> this was a brilliant idea. Whether or not they're a leftist or a conservative, whether or not they were trying to teach these kids that old-fashioned values are bad, or that they were trying to teach the old-fashioned values are good. I don't care. I just think it's a good thing for kids to, to practice history, to actually practice history. Listen to music from history. Read books from history. Uh, practice the values, uh, you know, historical values for a little while. I think that stuff is amazing. Anyway, I've talked way too much. Valeria, please say something. Okay. Next topic. No! No! I want you to comment. We don't I have time. I want you to comment on we, this. I do not have time to talk because you are talking too much. Okay, next topic. I, I know I'm talking too much, but I do want you to come on. Dude, what are your What are your thoughts on this school and the and the, and this this exercise? That well, it's I I don't think it's bad. I think it's actually great. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I didn't know that. We didn't talk about this before. Before the show. No, we didn't. So you, you really think it's great? You're not just I trying to be nice? I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think they don't say the name of the teacher to protect the teacher. Maybe. <laughs> Look, the left should not be controlling what everybody does in the world. People, this, this is ruining. To. They're trying Of course to. they're trying to. But this ruins stuff like scientific investigation. How can we have scientific investigation because if we're not allowed to talk about, is... say, like race and IQ? Oh, we're not allowed to say different races because have different IQ. Because science is racist. 
Science is racist, exactly. Okay, next topic. All right, fine. Okay, we'll move on to the next topic. Supreme Court sides with Biden dismisses Trump administration's pending sanctuary, sanctuary city cases. Ah, uh, yeah, this is our last story of the day. Yeah. Oh, sorry, hold on. I gotta... All right, let me switch to our desktop mode so we can all look at this story. Okay, Supreme Court sides with Biden. This is, I didn't actually read this story yet, but just the headline pisses me off. All right, let's have a look here. In a move that reaffirms President Biden's open borders immigration policy, the U.S. Supreme Court has dismissed three pending requests brought by sanctuary uh, states to hear challenges to the Trump administration's order that withheld federal tax dollars from those jurisdictions. Wait, what? Dismissed three pending requests brought by the sanctuary states. Huh. To hear challenges. Okay. The SCOTUS blog, an online organization that tracks the actions of the Supreme Court, tweeted, after a request from Biden administration yesterday, the Supreme Court just dismissed three pending um, cert positions, a request to hear a case about the Trump administration's effort to withhold money from so-called sanctuary cities. I wonder what that's about. Let's have a look. Okay. So, in an ex okay, in an executive order of 2017, the, uh, the then-president, Trump, the then President Trump, called on U.S. agencies, both law, law enforcement and otherwise, to withhold federal funds from sanctuary jurisdictions. The overwhelming majority of these ju jurisdictions are governed by Democrats. Mr. Trump's policy made federal taxpayer dollars uh, to state and local governments conditional on whether or not they cooperated with U.S. immigration officials on the execution of their duties as mandated by federal law, which makes total sense. Go ahead and follow the law and, and you know, do your job in law enforcement according to the federal standards that we, you know, have applied, or else you're not going to get federal money. That makes total sense. Prior to bringing their actions before the high court, lawyers from several sanctuary jurisdictions found the lower court divided on whether Mr. Trump's policy was lawful. Upon entering office, Joe Biden unleashed a flurry of executive orders reversing Trump's policies. His policy regarding sanctuary jurisdictions, that's right. His, his, his policy regarding sanctuary jurisdictions was one of them, and it, that is shameful. That is shameful. That is absolutely shameful. Flipping Biden, honestly, he didn't even know what he was doing. Somebody just put a piece of paper in front of him and said, sign this, and Biden went, uh, uh. he didn't know what the hell he was doing. No, he didn't know. And, th and this is terrible. This is terrible. He was reading because when, when um, I guess, people press, asked, what did you sign? Yeah. And he was reading notes from the paper. He was like, well, I signed, <laughs> like, start reading. So embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. We have a so president who doesn't know what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't do anything. It's he's... been like two months. He's not going anywhere. No. Have you ever noticed that he has these strings tied to his hands, and when he moves, he does this? And when he moves his well, mouth, there's like a stick? That's what, what you just said. It's going to be debunked. <laughs> you know, Biden is not actually a puppet. He is not made of Yeah, felt. AUC is not a puppet. It's not he, actually, you remember he is that. He's not made of string and wood. Yeah. He's, he's an actual real boy. All right, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, okay. President Biden's decision to, revo to, to revoke Mr. Trump's sanctuary jurisdiction and uh, order... Oh, my God. Mr. Trump's sanctuary jurisdiction order rendered the issue moot, and the Department of Justice filed request letters with the Supreme Court in all the cases related to the matter seeking their dismissal. So they're just dismissing cases not because they think that, uh, you know, they're invalid or they shouldn't be looking at them, but because they don't... They don't make any difference anymore because Joe Biden has already fixed it for Democrats so they don't have to they don't have to be sad about this stuff anyway I'm pissed off because the you know Joe Biden's disgusting administration has you know basically set up this country to be you know look when when Trump was in office things were getting better and better and better then COVID hit we 
it's a speed bump, right? We hit a bit of a divot, you might say, um, a bit of a pothole. We got, you know, we got a problem where more people are going to be homeless. There was going to be more bankruptcies. There's going to be more problems. We would have been able to shoot right back out of it had Trump remained president. But now Biden's president, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. We don't want any improvement in quality of life. We don't want Americans to be successful financially. We want to screw everybody. You know who we want to help? Poor immigrants and potentially criminals coming over the border. We want to help them out. Oh, because that's they great, need more Democratic voters. It, they, because they and and they will they are willing to reduce our quality of life. They were are re, willing to reduce our financial success. They are willing to say not America first, but everywhere else first, just so that they can stay in power. They're disgusting. They are they are America last. They are not patriotic. They are not good people. They are selfish a holes. Every single one of them. They are criminals. Do not vote Democrat. Democrats are criminals. I think we're done with the news today. <laughs> yeah, we can take some questions, guys. All right, we will take some questions. Uh, if anybody's wondering why there is no cat on the background meowing like crazy, he is sleeping peacefully. Yeah. Oh, we got him. To and sleep. he is looking so cute that they want to just run and wake him up. He's you are so willing cute. to bring him and put him here on the. I don't think he's gonna sleep there. But... Oh, you want to bring him over there? You're perfectly at at liberty to do that. I'll 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 field the questions if you want. I will bring him in the end of the All right. to finish podcast. All right. What do we got? Uh, Trump won. I can't read that on the air. Um, but the uh, not so the not so uh, legitimate win the puppet the uh, the puppet the Biden is controlled and he doesn't mind. He has no mind. This is from Jesus is God. Well, that's right. Yeah, Biden doesn't do anything. Biden does nothing. Biden sleeps in. You know, sleeps asks Doctor Jill what time it is. And just waits for, you know, his supper at 4 p.m. and then goes back to bed. I mean, Joe Biden doesn't do anything. He's not really president. It's sad. Let's see here. Aston Cam. Yeah, we can, we should get an Aston Cam. That's not going to work most of the time. You drugged him. Wildcat Demon says you drugged him. Mark in Alberta writes, uh, how long until chess gets canceled for being racist or transphobic? I think it was already canceled once because white, 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 white going yeah. first. That's yeah. racist. There was because... a story about that. Somebody had mentioned it. It, it is a funny, like it's, it's one of those things where you just know eventually somebody's going to talk about it. And it does get brought up sometimes. There was a thing, uh, I don't know, maybe like six months ago or something like that, where there were somebody had suggested that, that, tr that chess was, was racist because white went first. <laughs> well, I think there are some rules when black go first. Because oh, because I was watching a Queen's Gambit TV show, uh -huh, yeah, and at some point you can go first if you have black, but there's like certain rules. Yeah. I don't know; it's complicated yeah. for me. Yeah, but it's interesting. Black black goes first only if you in South Africa. Only in South Africa, South African rules they call it. Okay, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Holly Burnside, 83, wrote, the Senate made them read the HR1 bill for like 12 hours yesterday. It was hilarious. Yeah, I heard about that, but I also heard that only one senator was necessary to sit through it, and so they only had like one sacrificial senator <laughs> to sit through it, which is, oh, it's pretty sad for that guy, whoever it is. But uh, uh, Salty J.D. Coke says, um, imagine, if you will, a logo with a ring in the middle with Aston, uh, uh, 
feet his meow. Okay, salty JD Coke. What you wrote doesn't make enough sense for me to read that in in my uh, <laughs> in my Twilight Zone voice. Imagine if you will a logo with a ring in the middle with Aston feet his meow, featuring his meow. Maybe I don't know. Oh oh so oh so he's okay. I get it. It took me a second. He wants me to make the MGM logo, the MGM logo with the lion. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. But with Aston going, meow. <laughs> but they did that, I think. If they, they did that, that that's actually uh, that's actually a logo from I think Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore had a production company, and she produced the show. She produced the show Remington Steel, and if you watch old episodes of Remington Steel, which I highly recommend, it, in fact, I think I'm going to start doing that. Great show. Um, it was the show that Pierce Brosnan did before he became James Bond. At the end of those shows, it had a little, a little MGM logo, but it was a cat. It was a little pussy cat, and then you go meow, and you go Mary Tyler Moore. It was great. It was great. So, Salty J D Coke and uh, Mary Tyler Moore are both, um, you know, great minds think alike. David Crawford writes Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. We I named him. <laughs> After the Aston Martin, because I couldn't afford the real car. So okay, downstream asking, what do you think of Biden's China diplomacy so far? What China diplomacy? What China diplomacy? He hasn't really done anything. He, he said, said a couple he, of... he said he's not going to change anything what Trump did, because like in 2019 he said, did Trump said that China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. And then 2020, in 2021, he's like, if we are not going to do anything, the China is going to eat our lunch. <laughs> he did. He Hello? did say a couple more sort of like tough things, tough words. He sounds like he's trying to get tough on China, but it's hard for to know exactly what's going on because you, you can't you can't accept anything that Biden said during his campaign as as the truth of what he's going to do, because, well, first of all, Biden doesn't actually control his campaign. Biden's actually not controlling the office of the presidency. Biden just is just a figurehead, and I don't really know who's running things. I think it's a combination of people. I think Susan Rice has a lot of power. I think Hillary Clinton has is stirring the pot in some way. Um, I don't think Obama has anything to do with it, but I still haven't researched that, so don't take my word on it. But a lot of you guys think Obama's in charge. I don't actually think that. But it, that may be true. But I'm still looking into who exactly controls. I think probably Janet Yellen probably has a lot of influence. Um, it's a lot of women. There are a lot of women that are now in control of things. And I don't know if this is, if they're, I don't think that they're actually the end point. I don't think that they're the final voice. I think that there are people beyond that that are basically influencing them and then they and then they're controlling everything. But I'm trying to work out who's exactly pulling the strings, who's in charge there. Um, but come on, we all come on, man. We all know <laughs> we all know that Joe Biden isn't calling the shots. Um, somebody wrote that HR one is a terrible bill. I'm actually doing a video on HR one. Uh, I should have done it a long time ago, but I was caught up on these other stories. HR one is absolutely devastating. Is going to make it. It basically all the things that I said that they were going to do to to keep Republicans from winning for the next fifty years. Uh, in any federal election, that's what HR one is. That's their attempt to stop. They're going to solidify all the kind of shady stuff that they did in the 2020 election. They're going to standardize that so that they they can win over and over and over again for years and years and years. Let's see here. Biden is a potato. Pota potato Pinocchio says Mark in Alberta. <laughs> uh, let's see. Otaku magnets back. He says. Uh, I don't think it's Hillary or Rice. 
it is women, but I think they are DNC unelected leadership. Now there are there are other people involved. Those are just a couple of names that I listed, but um, I'll give you a full breakdown soon. I'm I'm really going to do a deep dive uh, into this, into who controls Biden, and, and I'll have something pretty definitive for you guys. I don't know if we're, I'm going to come to the like end all answer of it, but I will have something fairly definitive to tell you who influences him and exactly how. Uh. Uh, D. Grism says, HR1 is a setup for an oligarchy. Yeah, basically, yeah. Boxy Punk Chick writes, David, I think he felt like he had no support. He was blocked by those who betrayed him from hearing the voices that supported him. Okay, well, I'm not David, so I don't know who she's talking about or what she's <laughs> talking about. Let's, uh... <laughs> Let's see here. Anything that you've seen that you like? Well, what time do we have? It's 7.07. So I guess it's about time to wrap up anyway. Yeah. Well, let's finish on one more question, shall we? Or one more statement. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, Qana Hurt writes, It is possible the reason that people don't see Biden in public close up is because what you do see of him is a deep fake video. Oh, that's a question, question mark. Um, no, I don't think that that's true. I, I think that what you see of him is legit. I mean, did you see him the other day? He was talking to Nancy Pelosi, and then they said, uh, he, he goes, uh, and if you have any uh, questions, Nancy Pelosi, I can, uh, I can, I can maybe answer those. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just, my cat just jumped. Do you want to, do you want to bring the cat onto the screen for the last segment? All right. So Valeria is going to pick up the cat uh, and uh, bring him onto the screen here. Yeah, Holly Burnside in three says Obama's still pulling the strings. All right, there we go. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? Uh-oh, you want to say hi? There you go. So that's our cat, Aston. He's a bangle, a uh, silver bangle, and he, he cost way too much money. But I'm allergic to normal cats, so it was either Aston or it was no cat at all. So we got Aston. We, we didn't want to get a dog because I don't, I don't know. I think dogs in small apartments is kind of a bad idea. She still wants a tiny dog. All right. Well, that is it for us. Do you want to say goodbye, darling? Yes. Good night and see you on Monday. Oh, yeah. You got that. I didn't want to miss you to miss that, but this part. All right. Well, yeah, that's it for us. We'll see you guys on Monday. Uh, I'm Toxic. She's Masculine. Together, we are Toxic Masculinity. Good night. (laughs) 